Chapter Ten of Wilderness: A Journal of Quiet Adventure in Alaska by Rockwell Kent. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Ten: Olson. He returned last night, the eleventh of February, in a blaze of glory. Ah, the wonder of it, and of all he brought! Rockwell and I sat at our cards just before supper time. The day, a calm one, a fair one had passed and olson again had not come we were downcast every possible cause for his continued absence had been reviewed in my mind to wait longer was not to be endured and so we sat with far-off thoughts and toyed with the silly cards suddenly the long clear sound of a boat's horn reached us from the night outdoors we ran and peered into the darkness at last we saw a black spot moving far out on the water oh god it was entering the cove in what a frenzy of excitement we hurried down the beach nearer they come and nearer men's voices the little cabin light and the vessel gliding toward us they're abreast of us they drop anchor olson olson i shout olson is that you he's aboard is answered how are you and how's the little boy we see them loading a dory from the vessel's deck and now they row it to the shore it's good to see a fine young fisherman and shake his hand again and once again the loads are ferried in and carried up the long and slippery low-tide beach rockwell has lighted olson's lamp he sweeps his cabin and starts the fire in the stove at the last load i slip aboard the vessel i am wanted there stands olson swaying gigantic on the deck above us as we bump the side a bear's greeting olson is radiant radiant and mellow with the joy of homecoming and the warmth of tasted spirits the skipper i know yes the good englishman hogg who had us once to dinner at his camp down in the cabin in the heat and fumes of a cooking feast we tip the friendly bottle ah tell me not abstainer of any glories you have known one night one midnight out on the black waters of a newfoundland harbor the million stars above and on the wretched vessel's deck the horde of half-drunk soul-starved men saying their passionate farewells on the dull plain of their life a flash of lightning revealing an abyss this night on the still dark cove of resurrection bay rimmed with wild mountains and the wilderness strong men about you mad loosened speech and winged prophetic vision god but sane daylight seeing seems to touch but the white hard surface of where life is hidden from the hot cabin I climbed the boat's ladder, up, up, on to the world's heights. Ah, how the cold, clean wind from the wide spaces then swept my soul, and how close upon my head the dome of heaven and the stars! This is no earth-ship, but the deck of a meteor-vessel that I tread, the moon-ship of the ancient northern gods. I row ashore for Rockwell, stow the goods higher on the beach, and we return aboard for supper over rockwell the skipper makes a great fuss says he's a famous oarsman and could beat his daddy a fine big strong boy warm-hearted skipper and he reaches again for the bottle and i drink 
it's vinegar profuse apologies and the right one is found we eat we stuff and then the three of us rockwell laden with presents of fruit say good-night and row ashore poor tired olson has little strength to move the heavy loads from the beach no matter i struggle alone and finally stow them in his cabin a great pile then a cup of coffee with the old man a little furious talk about the war fury at a world that could mess things so and home to bed where already rockwell slept this morning the icy bath then without breakfast we began upon our mail what a wonderful christmas at last the bed was piled high with presents the table high with letters we sorted and gloated like hungry tigers that in the ecstasy of possession merely lick their food all through the morning and deep into the afternoon i read the mail unwashed dishes stood about for meals we but ate what was at hand here follows in the journal a list two pages long of presents of books what a shelf of them woolen clothes and sheepskin slippers music for the flute plum pudding candy chocolate cigarettes and ever so much more and that being about seven times as much as we've ever had before is all ah in the wilderness you love your friends and they too think of you better than all though are the letters such friendly letters never were before friday february fourteenth the days go like the wind so warm to-day and yesterday we live out of doors now as i write the door stands open and the soft moist spring air enters to dispel the fumes of turpentine i primed eight canvases to-day six of which i had also stretched this afternoon i painted at the northern end of the beach almost beneath a frozen waterfall an emerald of huge size and wonderful form rockwell is in high spirits i think the augmentation of our diet brought by olson's return will do him a lot of good we had cut down on our use of milk to a can in two or three days now we may live on fish which olson has in such quantities that we're to help ourselves olson has insisted on my accepting a fifty-pound sack of flour for my services during his six weeks absence and i expect to find it hard to be allowed to return the cereals that i am borrowing what a contrast this free-handed country to the mean spirit of newfoundland monday february seventeenth three days and what has happened i guess that on the first of them i stretched and painted canvas on the second all day i painted out of doors it was quite summer-like and the sun shone through diamond dripping trees and to-day i have written from early morning before breakfast until now eleven at night i have decided to go to seward in a few days it has become necessary to go back to new york very soon i told rockwell of this to-day and his eyes have scarcely been dry since he has reasoned with me and inquired into every detail of the situation he doesn't want to go to new york nor even to live in the country in the east there'll be no ocean near nor any warm pond for bathing and not even the thought that elsewhere he'd have playmates weighs against his love for this spot you should see sir lancelot now his clothes are outgrown and outworn 
they hang in tatters about him. His trousers are burst from the knee to the hip, his overalls that cover them are rags. His shirt is buttonless but for two in front. From above tattered elbows his sleeves hang in ribbons. His hair is long and shaggy. Where it hung over his eyes I have cut it off short, but his fair cheeks are as pink as roses, his eyes are beautiful and blue, his lips are red, and his face glows always with expression. So we don't care a rap for the rest. Only Rockwell does. One day, after he had regarded for a long time a certain unfortunate photograph of himself, in which he looked like an idiot, he said, Father, I'd like to dress up some day and put on my best clothes and brush my hair, because I want to see if I really look like I do in this picture. Rockwell loves to look well, and it's a real treat for him to dress up. So, that being the case, and his tidy nature being so well assured, I don't trouble a bit to adorn him. He cleans his teeth regularly, and likes to do it. Mornings we get up together and go through a set of Dr. Sargent's exercises, do them with great energy. Then we go naked out of doors. The period of chattering teeth is past. No matter what the weather is, we go calmly out into it, lie down in the drift, look up into the sky, and then scrub ourselves with snow. It's the finest bath in the world. It rains today, or snows. The snow lies three feet deep on the level. At our windows it is above the sills. In Seward—have I written this before?—it lies so deep that one can't see across the street. The snow is the deepest, and that last cold snap the coldest, of any winter remembered or recorded. The cold was very many degrees below zero. So we have experienced a true winter. We're so glad to know it. Tuesday, February 18th. Such mild weather! With the fire nearly out, it's hot indoors tonight. A little snow, a little rain, but altogether a pleasant day. It's always pleasant when I paint well. Today I redeemed two straying pictures, and they're among the elect now. Tonight a steamer entered from the westward, the Curaçao, long expected. She must have been here two or three days ago, and since then been to Saldovia. With incredible slowness she crept over the water. What old hulks they do put on to this Alaska service! Rockwell's mothering of all things exceeded reason to-day. He put two sticks of wood on the fire after I had intended it to go out. I removed them, blazing merrily. "'Don't!' cried Rockwell seriously. "'You'll hurt the fire's feelings.' Rockwell cleared off the boat to-day. Next we must dig her out. Tomorrow the engine must be put in order. We must find a hole in the gasoline tank and solder it, and then coax it into starting. It is on such jobs that whole precious days are wasted. Rockwell loves every foot of this spot of land. Tonight he spoke of the beauties of the lake, its steep wooded shores, clean and pebbly, and the one low, clear and level spot where we approached the water. He had planned to live this summer the day long on the shores of the lake naked, playing in and out of the water, or paddling some craft about. I thought of putting up a tent in some mossy dell along the shore, 
and letting rockwell sleep there nights alone and learn early the wonders of a hermit's life and none of it is to be wednesday february nineteenth it rains and storms but today we repaired the engine and were ready to start for seward when it clears above every other thought now is the sad realization that our days on this beloved island are nearing an end what is it that endears it so to a man near forty and a little boy of nine we have such widely different outlooks upon life it may be that alaska stands midway between us and that i turning backward from the crowded world that i have known and learned to fear meet rockwell in his forward march from nothing to this if that be so we have met only for a moment for such perfect sympathy his love will pass on from this and mine will grow dissatisfied and wander still but i think it's otherwise it seems that we have both together by chance turned out of the beaten crowded way and come to stand face to face with that infinite and unfathomable thing which is the wilderness and here we have found ourselves for the wilderness is nothing else it is a kind of living mirror that gives back as its own all and only all that the imagination of a man brings to it it is that which we believe it to be so here we have stood we two and if we have not shuddered at the emptiness of the abyss and fled from its loneliness it is because of the wealth of our own souls that filled the void with imagery warmed it and gave it speech and understanding this vast wild land we have made a child's world and a man's i know nothing in all life more beautiful than the perfect belief of rockwell in his paradise here unopposed his romance has kindled every object on the homestead so that now for hours he can steal about in the forest on the beach along the lake in absolute contentment for it is wonderland itself the king's road the giant's path where stand the gummy ten-pound butter tree and all the giants with whom sir lancelot must joust the magpie's grave marked with a cross the otter's cave the marvellous frozen stream those strange wild people the treeps who visit these shores occasionally to hunt the white man for his skin as the white man has hunted their dear animals rain bears and wild cat eaters appalling animals that inhabit the dark woods but are good friends to rockwell every log and rotten stump the gnarled trees with or without butter every mound and path the rocks the streams each is a being in itself and with those most living goats and the brilliant magpies the pretty little dingy sparrows the glorious and virtuous porcupines the black black crows the great and noble eagle the rare spider and the rarer fly and the wonderful strong sleek otters that leap in sport through the snow and coast down hill they make a world of romance that has thrilled one little boy to the very bottom of his soul to live here to accumulate about him more and more animals and shelter them from harm to live forever or if he must grow old and very old here marry 
not a seward girl but one more beautiful or an indian here raise a great family and here die that now is the ideal of little rockwell and if we his family all of us would count we must come here to him where with patriarchal magnificence and dignity he will care for us thursday february twentieth all day out of doors both of us in the morning rockwell and i journeyed around the point between the two coves of the island it's a rocky promontory with a great jumble of boulders at its base that one must scramble over these are generally wet and slippery and not much fun however we went well around and i set up my canvas and painted while rockwell crawled about in caves and crevices playing some sort of wild beast the wind rose as i finished and made it difficult to convey my wet canvas without damaging it and in the afternoon again i painted on two pictures out of doors that's to be my work now till the time i go tomorrow if the day is right we start for seward our boat is dug out of the snow our goods are packed the engine chaffs at the throttle i am tired to-night and it is bedtime sunday february twenty third friday was calm we left the island at about eleven after the usual hours fussing with the engine at hogg's camp we called in for something to bail with for the boat being leaky had taken in a lot of water no one at home so i stole a bowl from the shed and we proceeded by then the sun shone upon us and we could observe what we later confirmed at seward that the sun shines in the head of the bay while the island our island is shrouded in clouds quite different conditions prevail in the two localities with us it is warmer and much wetter the recorded rainfall for seward that some time ago seemed incredibly small does not fit fox island at all olson's records for the last summer show prevailing rainy weather and seward rejoiced in unprecedented sunshine and during these last three days in seward now days wonderfully fair thick clouds have always been over fox island and even the wind blows there when seward's waters are calm and so on friday we reached seward with flying colors stowed our boat up high put the engine into olson's cabin and walked again the streets of civilization here everyone is friendly the first night rockwell dined out at one house and slept at another with a lot of children what must they have thought of his underclothes i went supperless writing letters instead and then flute music at the postmaster's next day very early the steamer came and the day passed for me in the wild excitement of receiving mail wednesday february twenty sixth yesterday we came home we left seward with only a light load aboard it blew briskly in the bay from the north before we reached cane's head there was a splendid white-crested chop racing along with us midway across it was about all the engine could have stood the propeller is not set at enough depth in our boat and in yesterday's sea it was most of the time out of the water racing at a furious pace then the boat would naturally lose steerage way and we'd swing far out of our course but it was great sport 
Into it we could have made no headway. Before it, nothing could stop us. And the engine kept right on going. Only, as usual, it was continually falling apart. On Friday the flywheel came loose six times, the muffler four, and the valve springs fell off and stayed off. Coming back, all went well till we were in the roughest sea. Then the muffler came loose. Not wanting to stop the engine in that sea, I spent half the time on my knees holding the tiller in one hand and the muffler nut with a pair of pliers in the other. Rockwell bailed most of the time. The boat leaks like a sieve. And how fine to get home again! Only an hour, and we were again seated at dinner in our warm cabin. Rockwell said it was hard for him to remember whether Mr. Olson or we had just been to Seward. I brought Olson a battery box and batteries as a present. He was much pleased, but particularly his mail pleased him. I saw him soon after our arrival, seated with his spectacles on, studying his letters. He rarely gets any. This time came a postcard and a letter from Rockwell's mother. The day passed, and evening came. Then appeared, entering our cove, a cabined gasoline boat. Two young fellows came ashore, and we all chatted in Olson's cabin. One had his wife aboard. They claimed to be hunting a stray boat. But Olson whispered to me later, dramatically, that they were doubtless out dragging somewhere for a cache of whiskey. Lots of whiskey has been sunk in the bay. Marks were taken at the time to determine its location, and now the owners, as need arises, fish up what they want. It's just like the buried treasure of the days of piracy. Doubtless there are now many charts extant with the position of liquid treasure marked upon them. Today has been again overcast, but beautifully mild. It is really a wonderful climate. Rockwell makes the most of these last days. He went this morning to the ridge's top, east of us, and this afternoon high up on the mountainside. He now wants to stay here and become a wild man. There is no question in my mind about his entire willingness, his desire, to be left here when I go. End of chapter 10